Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Just over an hour to go until we wrap up trading on this Tuesday. The Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, they're all trading at or near their best levels of the session. We have got the Dow higher by 182 points, up 8 tenths of 1%. S&P up 22, up 9 tenths of 1%. NASDAQ up 81, up 1.3%. Stocks rising the most in a week. Treasuries declining amid growing speculation. The Trump administration is gaining momentum in its efforts to reform the tax code. The tenure down 9.30 seconds yield 2.21%. Gold down 5.90 the ounce, down 5 tenths of 1%. And West Texas Intermediate crude up 6 tenths of 1% to $47.64 a barrel. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. All right, got it. Thanks, Charlie. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets right here on Bloomberg Radio. Talk a little bit about uh, the emerging markets, Asia, China, specifically India, perhaps. Emerging markets, if you've checked the numbers this year, we've talked about it certainly here on Bloomberg Radio, easily outperforming developed markets this year. And let's dig into some of the specifics, why, and get into their outlook. Back with us in our Bloomberg 960 studio in San Francisco, uh, David Riedel. He's president and founder of Riedel Research Group. Hey, David, nice to have you here with us. Thanks, Carol. Um, talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing in the trade right now uh, and what emerging markets uh, you find of most interest. So emerging markets really have been the place to be year to date. You had a very nice rebound coming out of a very tough end of 2016 for some markets like Mexico, which had been in the crosshairs during the campaign, rebounded nicely. China picked up the, the, the pace in the second quarter with very strong economic numbers. Poland has also been a very strong market year to date. I think people are really recognizing the fundamental strength of these markets, economies, and societies. And really, uh, this is a fundamental trade uh, with a little bit of help from sentiment improving around the world and a little bit of help of uh, U.S. and other developed markets hitting all-time highs. I think there's further to go in some of these emerging markets. David, talk to us specifically, though, about some of the tensions with China, whether it's, you know, pushback from the United States on uh, intellectual privacy uh, or intellectual property rules and, and trade pushback, if you will, or North, North Korea and the kind of tangled relationship between North Korea, the United States, uh, and China. How does any of that uh, play into your thinking about the outlook for these markets and the potential? Sure. Well, the trade woes have been known for many administrations in many, many years. These have been it's things an old that, story, right? It's an old story. Uh, it's one that, you know, comes in and out of favor in terms of people thinking they can do something about it. But at the end of the day, it's a very symbiotic relationship between the U.S. and China. They're the third largest uh, export market for our services. They're a huge consumer of our agricultural exports, including soybeans. Uh, th- there's really a lot of uh, interdependence there uh, that's a little hard to unravel. North Korea is an interesting case. You know, we are clo- closing in on what has long been stated as a red line of um, their ability to to put a nuclear warhead on an ICBM. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really does change the, the, the dynamic quite a lot. I don't think China wants that. Obviously, the United States doesn't want that. Our allies in uh, South Korea and, and Japan can't accept that. Uh, so I think China probably realizes that, and we do need to find some sort of middle ground. We'll, it's, it's being tested this week, major military um, maneuvers taking place uh, with joint U.S. and South Korean forces this week uh, started today. So when we get a headline or a story that's out on the Bloomberg terminal today about the U.S. 
uh, tightening its financial restrictions on North Korea, slapping sanctions on Chinese and, and Russian entities uh, that's accused of assisting Pyongyang's development of nuclear we- weapons and ballistic missiles. I mean, things like that, you, you take it in stride, but it doesn't necessarily significantly change uh, your outlook for maybe, you know, China and so on. It really doesn't. It doesn't change the fundamentals for any businesses other than those particular businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people have are having great opportunities in some of the U.S. listed Chinese technology names, the Hong Kong listed manufacturing and consumer service names. There's a lot of places to trade in China. You know, you also sent some notes over China. You, d- you certainly are looking at and you like. But India, I I'm fascinated uh, by India, and I think that's an area where we could see an awful lot of growth um, in the next 10 years or so. People really need to start thinking hard about India and what the next 20 years looks for, looks like for India versus let's look at the last 20 years for China. India has significant advantages. They have a, a much younger demographic. Uh, they're coming from a much lower base. They're going to outpace, outpace China this year on uh, economic growth, and they're, look set to, they're looking like they're set to do that for a number of years in a row. They've rolled out a very ambitious nationwide biometric-based uh, citizen ID program uh, that collects biometric information and identifies that that citizen and ties it to ties that citizen to a bank account, ties them to government benefits. And if you think about that, really collapsing the, the distance between the government in Delhi and the individual citizen is something India has been working for a very long time to do, and technology let them do it. It's a huge step forward because you also you often hear about these emerging markets that the biggest problem for individuals is having an identity with either financial institutions, and, and this is a big way of kind of moving it forward. And also taxation. You know, yeah. this was one of the big issues in Greece. Remember a few years ago when everyone was talking about the inability of Greece to to actually collect taxes that were owed? This is going to help. It's going to cut out the middleman uh, taking graft from uh, government subsidies and other government benefits. It's going to give these people bank accounts and ways to transact. It's really, really a, a fundamental shift in the way that India is working with their citizens. So what do you do? Do you buy uh, an index fund in India that's just got a basket of some of the, the bigger names? Or how do you play it? You really do that right now as a U.S. investor. It's a little tricky to trade individual stocks into India, so you need to find some of the India fund or some of the other better, well-known ETFs uh, that that trade a basket of of India. But I think it's going to serve you well going forward as India really comes into its own, matures, and reaches a whole different level of development. David, when's the last time you were in India? Uh, Eighteen months ago. And what did you see? I spent most of 1997 in India and really got to know the country very, very well. I was doing a lot of work on the ground there. And it is amazing how far it's come. Uh, the cities are absolutely world-class. There's still a significant underclass that you do see around and a lot of mm-hmm. poverty uh, that is in your face. But the gleaming towers and, and the tremendous economic growth is obvious. It's a little less obvious when you get into the smaller towns and, and villages. That's really where the opportunity lies in India, stitching together these, these provinces like they have with the new national tax system uh, and really bringing those towns to the level of the cities. Let's switch on over or back to China, if you will. So when you look at the Chinese market, um, again, is it kind of a broad swath that you do in terms of playing the Chinese market, or, or, or is there certain aspects of it that you find inter- interesting? The problem with playing China through a basket approach like one of the large ETFs is that you're going to end up owning a lot of energy companies and banks, and that's not necessarily where I would want to be. I would rather be in a place where you've got a defensible brand name like an Alibaba, for example, which is really growing with e-commerce, or uh, the the former 
Hertz uh, uh, subsidiary car listed in Hong Kong. Those are ways you can really cherry pick the management teams and parts of the economy that you like. I just don't think that Chinese banks and Chinese energy companies are where I want to bet on China. Are you finding as many opportunities in the emerging market world as you did, I don't know, six months ago, 12 months ago? Absolutely. Even with the run-up? Absolutely. Valuations are not stretched. Uh, Earnings are really coming through. These guys are good at getting earnings to the bottom line. They're doing a great job generating cash and dividends. Uh, There's a a tremendous amount of opportunity remaining in emerging markets. How does global monetary policy, though, potentially impact these guys? You know, we've seen some rate hikes. We've seen the moving towards tightening, and they're doing well. Their currencies are holding up. Their fixed income is holding up, and the equities are doing very well. So I think unlike three or four years Years ago, when the taper tantrum and the rate riot took place, real concerns about developed, econ- developed, developed economies raising rates, that really shook the currencies of some of these, these countries. They got their house in order, they got their accounts in order, and they're really well positioned for the next few years. Any reason for a pullback in the few months that we've got? Not a few months. We still have a bunch of months left in this year. It just feels like only a few months left. Um, just got about 20 seconds here. Because we've had such a run, could we see a little bit of a, a give back? I think there's still further to go. The only thing would be a black swan event like a North Korea or something else weird taking place. I think emerging markets have a great six months ahead. All right. Going to leave it there. David, thanks so much. Good to check in with you. David Riedel. He is president, founder, Riedel Research Group in our Bloomberg 960 studio in San Francisco. Coming up on the other side of the break, we'll find out what's going on in the world of business on this Tuesday. Don't forget, Salesforce coming out with their earnings after the closing bell. We'll be breaking that down. You are listening to Bloomberg Radio.